Good morning. Uh, Today we're kicking off our Advent Sermon Series, a season of promise, and the promise we're looking at today is, what do you think it is? Hope. Hope. All right. Do you need hope? Yes, we all need hope. Um, When we read or hear, or as in the video, see someone without hope, didn't your heart hurt for that person who didn't have hope? Our hearts hurt when we have no hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I must admit that there are times when my heart hurts. It becomes sick because I, I lose hope. I think that can be true for many of us. Everywhere we look, we can see and hear bad news. Many of us have personally experienced sickness and hardships this past year. Um, just in my own little sphere of relationships, this is what our family and friends went through this year. There was a financial hardship for some of us in our family. Uh, There were lost jobs in our family. There was COVID, of course, in our family. Um, We lost loved ones, more funerals than I care to count. Um, A murder-suicide, hospitalizations, emergency rooms. We had kidney stones, appendix, seizures, allergic reactions, um, heart monitors, just tons of stuff with the hospital. They named a wing after us. Um... (laughs) Military dreams dashed by injury, relationships that were broken or lost. And I know I'm forgetting some things, so family, forgive me if I'm missing your particular trauma or situation. We had a lot. And that's just my close circle of friends and family. I didn't touch on local, national, or worldwide events. My list would double or triple if I included all that, and I don't want to get too depressed. Um... All of us, unfortunately, could come up with a lot of things, though, that could cause our hope to wane. However, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are never without hope. Because God is a God of hope. 1 Timothy 1.1 And so even in the midst of tragedy, no matter how small, how large, whether it's personal or involves many people, as Christians, we are never without hope. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about hope, and we saw some of them on on the video. But one thing is clear, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord, Psalm 31, 24. Because our God's a God of hope. Psalm 65, verse 5, by awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth. And of the farthest seas. Or Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Wouldn't we all like to abound in hope? Well, God is a God of hope. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, is our hope. And so as believers, we are a people of hope. Now, in that man in the street, we saw a lot of differing opinions on what and where hope is found. And if we want the promise of hope, we need to be a little better informed than most of those people that were in the video. Because hope is not found within us or around us. Hope's not based on the fact that we're born in America. It's not based on circumstances or feelings. 
Our hope comes from God and only from God. But what exactly is hope? And what does hope have to do with Christmas? So what is hope? Well, hope is not a wish. Like, I hope to get a new tool for Christmas. Hint, hint. Or, I hope it snows soon, which I really don't, but... um, or that the Pittsburgh Pirates have a winning season. I, I, I do hope that, and that is a wish. Um, or that you hope this sermon is not too long. Um, it's not wish. It's not an opinion. It's not hoping for the best. It's not looking at the sunny side of life. That's not what hope is. Biblically, hope is an indication of certainty. It's a strong and confident expectation. It's a trust. It's, I know this will happen. Romans 8, 24, 25, For in this we hope, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So, so hope is looking to the future, It's looking for what is not seen, and it's looking at a certainty. It's looking to the future, it's looking for what is not seen, and it's looking at a certainty. Hope is synonymous with salvation and its many blessings, past, present, future, as promised in Scripture. Hope is the confident expectation, the sure certainty That what God has promised in Scripture has occurred or will occur in accordance with His Word. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So again, hope is an assurance. It's a conviction. It's a confident expectation that what God has promised in His Word is true and will happen According to his word. Psalm 119.81 my, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. Or 1 Colossians chapter 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope Laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Or Romans 15, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, We might have hope. So hope and the Word of God go together. The Word of God builds hope. It is a foundation for hope. So again, hope's a conviction. It's an assurance. It's based on God's Word. But what are some characteristics or or qualities of the hope that we have? Does hope do anything? Does it change anything? Or does it just make us feel good well hope is active hope is not a passive thing 
it doesn't just sit around and do nothing. It's very active. Hope is not an escape from reality. It confronts reality head on with truth. Hope should guide us and direct us. It is life-sustaining. Hope does not leave us on the front porch in a rocking chair, sitting idly by, just drifting. If our hope is biblical and based on God's word, it will move us to action. Job eleven eighteen, And you will feel secure because there is hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. Hope actively brings security. What a blessing in an insecure world. With hope, you can have rest. Psalm 42.5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation. So if we have hope, hope will lead us to praise and worship. Psalm 119, Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. So hope will not only cause us to spring to action to rejoice and praise God, but it will actively cause others to rejoice and praise God. Proverbs 10, the hope of the righteous brings joy. Could you use a little joy in your life? Hope brings joy. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. If we have hope, then we can be assured that there is a plan for us from God. There is a future for us. In Acts 28, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. So even though Paul is in chains, because of hope, he is compelled to speak to others about his hope. Romans chapter 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So as our character grows, so will our hope. And again, our hope is not going to be put to shame. And in fact, God will pour out His love into our hearts overflowing. And with this overflowing love because of hope, we can love others because of the hope that is within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are very bold. Hope leads to boldness and to action. So do you see that hope is not passive? I mean, if it can lead to boldness and speech and in action, it can bring joy and peace to our lives. It leads to worship. It will help us to love others. It will give us security and rest in the midst of chaos. Hope leads to action. And our lives will not be the same if we have hope. Hope produces results. So not only is hope active, it brings results. Hope changes how we view ourselves. 
we begin to see ourselves as pilgrims, people who are on a temporary sojourn in this life, living for the next life. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, it says, Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So like our spiritual forefathers, we too are just traveling through this life. Or Psalm 119, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. And because we are just traveling through, God's word becomes more precious to us. Or 1 Peter, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Hope leads to holiness. So hope will produce in us a mindset that we're just passing through this life, that we are sojourners headed for a better home, a better country. We will live as if we don't belong here. Two, hope changes what we value. What we value and what the world values will be very different. Hope will make us heavenly-minded rather than earthly-minded. Again, because we're just passing through. Because earth is not our home. Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And three, hope will affect what we do with our lives, our talent, our time, our treasure. If we know that we are just passing through, then what we do with our time will be different than those who have no hope. We see this in the Matthew passage, but also Titus chapter 2 illustrates this. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working in home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we are waiting, because of our hope, we will live differently. We will renounce ungodliness, we will renounce worldly things, and we will pursue godliness. 1 John chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called 
children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who thus hopes in, hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Hope produces results, and it produces changes in us. We become more Christ-like. We will love more. We will be more pure. We will be a model of good works. No one will be able to say anything evil about us. We will be more concerned about heavenly treasure than earthly treasure. We will pursue life in an entirely different way. We'll be bold, and we will have the power to live courageously and to be all that God has called us to be in Christ. If we have hope, we will be able to put the first things first. And heaven will become a reality to us on a day-to-day basis. So hope is active. Hope produces results. And hope has rewards and blessings. God is so gracious, as if giving us the gift of hope is not enough, the gift of hope then gives gifts. It's like compound interest. It multiplies. Because hope gives us joy and peace. From Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope gives us protection. Psalm 33, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. Hope gives us strength, courage, boldness. Psalm 31, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Hope gives us endurance, comfort, and confidence, even in the face of death. 1 Thessalonians, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. It gives us confidence to work and to minister. 1 Timothy chapter 4. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So hope is not just for the future. Hope is a benefit to us here and now. Who couldn't use more joy and peace right now? Who doesn't want the eye of the Lord to be upon them, watching over them every step they take? Who doesn't need a shot of strength or courage or boldness? These are days when fear can grip us and keep us from doing what we know we should do. And hope can give us the confidence to take that next step, to do the next right thing. So where and how do we get this precious hope? Well, first a warning, we can only put our hope in the Lord. Anything else that we would dare to hope in will leave us ashamed frustrated, disappointed, and it will end in ruin. From Job chapter 8, Can papyrus grow where there is no marsh? Can reeds flourish where there is no water? Will yet in flower and not cut down, they wither before any other plant. 
Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. His confidence is severed and his trust is a spider's web. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. If we have hope in anything else but Christ, it's a false hope. And it will fail us. But how blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. God is the God of hope. He is the source of all real hope. And if we are to receive hope, it must come from him alone. He alone has the power to give hope. Psalm 62, For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence, for my hope is from him. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he desires hope for them. And he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So what can we do to have hope? Well, one, pray. We can, like Paul in the passage from Romans, pray for hope. In Job 6, 8, Oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope. In Ephesians, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. As we seek God in prayer, we can know hope. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. God is the source of hope, and we should be in prayer for ourselves and for others to have hope. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. So we need to pray for hope. Two, hope depends on knowing the word of God. Romans 15, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Or Colossians chapter 1, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. The more we read, the more we study, the more our hope will grow in the Lord. God's word does not come back void. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Hope depends on knowing and resting in God's grace. From 2 Thessalonians, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. God gives us comfort and hope by his grace, and we can rest in that grace. We receive grace upon grace from Jesus Christ. 
God's grace is so abundant, it is so powerful, it is free, it is surpassing, it is sufficient, and by his grace we receive hope. First Peter, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So how do we prepare and strengthen our minds for hope? We read God's word. How can we prepare our hearts to hope? Through prayer. And then we allow God's grace to help us fully set our hope on him. Through prayer, through the word, and through grace, we receive hope. So hope is looking to the future. It's looking for what is not seen. It's looking at a certainty, an assurance, a conviction of something not seen. Hope is active. Hope produces results. It brings changes to how we live. Hope brings rewards and blessings. And hope comes through prayer, God's word, and resting in God's grace. So why is Christmas a time of hope? Why talk about it now? Well, Christmas is a time that should fill our hearts with hope in God, no matter what we're going through or have gone through. It's a time that reminds us of the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to rescue us just at the right time. From birth to resurrection, Jesus' life gives us hope. He is the blessed hope. But even though Christmas is usually a very happy and festive time for many people, for those of us going through hard times, it can bring feelings of hopelessness. But here is something for us to think about. Jesus was born in very unlikely and very hard conditions. Some might even say a hopeless situation. So if you think that you're going through something that's very hard or very difficult and that God will never understand, it's not true. Jesus' birth is filled with things that many of us will never experience or go through. But if we do experience some of these things, we know that God can relate because his son Jesus Christ went through them. Jesus' birth was very unusual. Jesus' mom was a virgin. And his earthly dad wasn't so sure about that. He planned to leave his earthly mom because of this. Their future marriage was in trouble. Jesus' parents had struggles. <laughs> Are you going through a struggle with your marriage? Do you have a broken family? Christ was born in the midst of a very uncomfortable situation. He understands. Jesus was born in a stable because there was no room at the inn. Do you come from a poor family? Do you feel rejected? Jesus, even before he was born, was already rejected by the world. His own people did not receive him. He was born in humble surroundings. He was born to poor parents. Jesus knew poverty. 
Jesus' first guests were shepherds. Do you feel like nobody remembers you? You know, shepherds were the outcast of their day. Nobody cared about them. But God did. God did not forget them, and he will not forget you. Wise men brought gifts for Jesus. These men became part of God's plan. Although you might not feel like it right now, you too are part of God's plan. You're not an accident, ever. In fact, God has already prepared good things for you to do. He has a plan for you. A murder plot was hatched against Jesus as soon as he was born. Do you feel like the world hates you? (laughs) Are you being persecuted? Jesus is just now born and already people want him dead. He knows what it's like to be hated and hunted down. Jesus understands. Jesus' family had to flee to a foreign country. Do you feel like an alien? Do you feel like a stranger in a strange land? You're not alone. As I said, Jesus' family had to flee their homeland and become aliens, become immigrants in a foreign land, in Egypt. But God was with them, and he'll be with you. Christ went through all this pain and suffering right from the time he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He understands suffering and pain. He knows the pain and suffering you're going through. I want you to listen to the summary of Jesus' life. This is from the prophet Isaiah. This is before Jesus was even born. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. By oppression, by judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And though though he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul... He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, 
make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out a soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Christ went through all that from the time he was born until he hung on the cross. He did that for you. So that he could bear our griefs, he could carry our sorrows, he could take away our transgressions and iniquities to bring us peace, to heal us, to remove our guilt, to give us hope. And that is why we have the promise of hope at Christmas. Worship team. Would you please stand as we reflect on how much God loves